This is The Dugout. Weekly interviews with Mariners manager Scott Service. Brought to you by Pizza Hut and by Mazda of Everett. Inside access to the clubhouse from Shannon Dreyer. Every Tuesday at 1 with Bumpin' Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. The home of the Mariners. All right, Scott Service going to join us in just a few minutes. But right now, we have Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer. Uh, Shannon, I'm obviously uh, very eager to find out whether or not Julio is going to be in the lineup tonight. I don't know if we'll have an update from Scott. But more importantly, without Julio in the lineup, the Mariners were able to get a win yesterday. Did it feel like a scrappy win or a versatile win? You know what? What really jumped out to me in that game was the defense. I think that game was led by defense. And it wasn't something that it was kind of a some of all the parts at the end of the game. There was this and this and this and this, and that was so much fun to see. So, yeah, they can do it. I mean, they've been doing that all year with different players out. Julio, of course, a little bit more spotlight right now, so that hurts. But uh, it was really fun to watch what they were able to do defensively last night. Flex gets another quality start. Uh, seemed like he got ahead in the count a lot. Uh, do you feel like the progression of uh, Chris Flexen is where he should be, and how much more do you think he can improve? Well, if you look at what he's done throughout the year, throughout most of his starts, he has been able to limit the damage to three at worst. And so that gives you a chance every time you go out. You cannot ask for much more from anybody out there. The difference between a good and a great performance from him is, does he have all of his pitches? And he has all of his, he had all of his pitches last night. And he had a great mix of them too, which was fun. But, uh, you know, that's one of those things when a starter goes out, they just have to figure out what have I got tonight? And if they if he doesn't have everything, he's going to battle. You know that. And the bullpen's not going to be too much of an issue. And if he does have his good stuff, then he's going to have a really nice outing. Um, obviously, uh, looking at the uh, the pitching staff itself, it wasn't the best outing, though they've been able to, I mean, basically carry this team. I mean, the pitching staff has been, or p- the rotation's been a big part of why they are when they are. I'm assuming you have absolutely no concerns about what we saw over the weekend. You know, and Ryan Roland Smith talked about this quite a bit in the postgame shows since then. It can be really tough for pitchers coming out of the break. And if you think of starters in particular, they are so routine oriented. Now, that said, every starter that's coming out of the break, that can be an issue as well. But it looks like it hit the Mariners a little bit harder. So I take a look at those performances. And with Robbie Ray, he really wasn't hitting his spots. And that's one of the reasons why he was getting hit. And he seemed a little... Not concerned, but okay, i got to fix this after the game. Not too happy that that happened. With Marco, I think he is a guy that really relies on that routine. And if you think about it, if you're doing the same thing every day from spring training to the break, that's three and a half months right there, and you just stop cold, these things can happen. So I think likely that's what we saw in those performances. All right, joining us now, just as he does every Tuesday at 1, it is the Skip Scott Service for the Scott Service Show. Scott, how's it going? I'm doing great, Stace. How are you? Uh, I'm well. I'm speaking for Shannon and Bump as well. I'm assuming you guys are well also. So far, so I don't want to put words in your mouth, but but everyone in a good mood after a win last night. You got so much uh, help from guys who uh, are just extra. I mean, Ty France had a phenomenal game. No one is surprised when Ty France is able to hit, but having four utility guys come out and, and contribute and be a huge part of, of a win like that, we were just talking about whether it feels like scrappy or it's actually versatility. I'm going to go scrappy today. How's that? I like it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know our guys, we've needed guys to step up here all year dealing with injuries and suspensions and a few more injuries. So uh, they've done a great job. They really have, I think, uh, understanding the the how valuable it is to have guys that can play multiple positions it's 
why we put the roster together the way we did, and it's certainly benefited us uh, this year. And we've been able to hang in there because those guys have stepped up. They're ready to play, really at, at the drop of a hat. You know, sometimes, you know, Dylan Moore the other day, I just called to him like 10 minutes before the game, hey, Julio's out, you got to play center field. Yeah, and quickly jumps out there, puts a good game out there for us, catches the balls that he should be catching, and you look up, and he's done exactly what we've asked him to do. So uh, tribute to those guys, credit to those guys for being ready to go when we ask them to, to jump in there. Scott, the versatility is something that Jerry Depoto has talked about for years, and you've always had Dylan Moore or a guy or two like that, but the versatility that you have right now, and you know what Adam Frazier can do as well, and Toro and, and Sam Haggerty being up, uh, it, it, this seems like almost a ridiculous kind of uh, wealth of versatility that you have. Is this something that you think that is a direction that you can look to go forward? It used to just be you had that one, that 25th guy, the utility guy, and now it seems like there are a lot more. Well, one of the reasons a lot more is we have an extra man on the roster, and you're a 26-man roster, and then with the, the crazy rule change where you are you have to have 13 pitchers and 13 position players, most teams like us now do have an extra position player um, that we normally wouldn't carry. So you're seeing that, and the fact that these guys can play multiple positions, and not only that, a couple of them are switch hitters, which even makes it better. So uh, you're going to see the game going that way. Uh, those young guys that can jump all over the field bring a lot of value to your team, and they just – you know, can cover up so many issues that happen throughout the course of the season. Scott, as a as a former coach, I used to always look at players when they're warming up and try to figure out, okay, do they have their stuff today? Was there a moment when you realized that Flex was going to put out a good performance? Do you communicate with your coaches? What's that process like? Uh, I think it's, I almost started laughing when you said that bump. If I went off of the pregame routine every day, uh, I would be crazy. You know, we play so many games. It's so different than football, of course. And, and, uh, and I laugh, you know, some guys will tell you, just a horrible batting practice. And they'll go out there and they get three hits. And here's a good story. So Logan Gilbert comes in, and I'll always ask uh, pitching coach, you know, Woody, uh, hey, what's it look like in the bullpen today? And normally he goes, oh, it looks great, looks fine. He looks at me after Gilbert comes in, he goes, worst I've ever seen. <laughs> and I'm like, What? That's Logan. He goes, no. He goes, it's, it's, it's a little bit. It's sprayed all over the place. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Don't worry about it, Skip. So he goes out there the first inning against the Astros, and he strikes out the first three guys of the game. So uh, baseball is a little bit different. You never quite know because once you cross the lines, you know, some guys, and they flip the switch, the competitive mode gets in, and all of a sudden it takes off. And Logan was great the other day. After Woody said he probably had one of the worst warm-ups before the game he's ever had. So you never know. You can't read too much into it. Hey, question. It's, I mean, it could be a quick answer even, but do you guys ever look pretty far ahead? Because we're sitting here talking about how there's a tough road trip and you're going to have another shot at Houston. But for now, you guys are looking at the Rangers. Do you ever look a little bit ahead on the schedule? Oh, I think you look at the road trip. Certainly, we play tonight. We have a quick turnaround. We play a 1240 game here tomorrow. So as I'm packing my suitcase today, before I come to the park, I'm starting to think about the road trip, uh, you know, and what's ahead of us. And it, it's going to be a challenging trip. We've had a lot of challenging trips this year. You know, we go into Houston. Um, they handled us. They played very well against us um, here over last weekend. So we got work to do there. And then the Yankees, you know, after that, probably the best two teams in our league right now. Um, it'll be a challenge. Don't want to get any farther ahead than that. The focus is on the Rangers, and the games with the Rangers have not been easy. We've won a lot of games against them this year and last year, but all these games have been tight. They're one- or two-run games. It comes down to a play or a big hit here or there, and our focus really needs to be on that tonight. And getting George Kirby back, I'm excited to get him back out there on the mound tonight and see what he looks like. Scott, how different is it managing innings, managing managing playing time in the second half, which isn't really a second half, it's two months, but in what hopefully is a postseason run? 
Well, I think, you know, you want to keep guys fresh. And, you know, when you talk about that, you're talking, for me, more like in the catching situation. You know, we played Cal Raleigh a ton leading into the break because we had some off days and we had a rain out and things like that. Uh, but, you know, we're in a stretch right now. We play 13 consecutive games. So, you know, Cal's probably going to play twice in each series. And we'll get Luis Torrens going in there a little bit. And, you know, giving some other guys a day off, it's, you know, once we get into August, our schedule kind of favorable is the way I'd look at it. Every Thursday, the first three Thursdays in August are off for us. So it's a built-in off day. Uh, and those off days in August and September are really valuable, not so much even for your position players, but your pitchers, your bullpen guys. Uh, it's really huge to have those days there. So you take all that into effect, but we'll keep a close eye on guys, how they're doing, how they're feeling, where they're at you know, health-wise. And you know, don't want to run anybody into the ground, but these are important games and you have to grind through it if you ultimately want to get to the playoffs. Scott, I don't know if you know this, but I've claimed Diego Castillo as my cousin. So um, it was it was it was hard to see my boy struggle last night. The slider just was not hitting. Was that the plan to bring Swanson in, or was that a reaction to what you were seeing my cousin do out there? Oh uh, yeah, the big diesel. Uh, that the, the tank wasn't quite full last night. Uh, the slider wasn't typically as, as dominating as it, as it has been. But uh, Swanee did a great job to pick us up. Um, I had a pretty good feeling after the first hitter you know he hit the home run he just didn't he didn't look sharp last night so we quickly got Swanson up uh Eric came in did a great job for us in a tough spot Uh, I don't want to lose sight of the fact that you know the first three hitters got out against Diego but the key out in the inning for me really was he got the strikeout first and second nobody out and a a real credit to him and you know like the veteran that he is he's been around understanding hey I may not have my a game tonight but I got to get this next guy out and it allowed us to bring Swanee in and then finish it off from there. So, you know, he didn't get down on himself. He kept battling, and he got a big out for us. Skip, how would you describe a. Eugenio Suarez's slide last night? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, this guy is about as colorful a player as I've ever managed. Uh, I love the personality in the clubhouse, on the field, uh, the sliding, the base running, the things he does, like, while he's running the bases, uh, very unique, much like his hair often is, I guess. Uh, that slide last night, I can't really put a description on it. Um, first of all, I was yelling from the bench, don't go, which then he, he stopped, and then you can see he started again. I'm like, I said to I think Perry Hill, said, I go, he's out, he's toast. And the, you know, obviously the pitcher didn't get the, a good feel of it in his glove and wasn't able to flip it, and it worked out for us, but... Uh, um, good for good for Gino. I can't really describe the slide. It's it's one of a kind. Many much like a lot of things he does. It is really one of a kind. So that's why he stopped. No, he can't hear me. I'm 800 <laughs> feet away. <laughs> I think they can, but they can't. Uh, it was a crazy play in the game. Uh, I'm glad he was thinking it. Uh, you know, he just didn't get started and stopped and all that other stuff as quick as he wanted to. But at the end of the day, he scored, and that's what counts. Scott, you guys lead the majors in fielding percentage. We saw JP make a play after a throwing error. We saw Frazier in the outfield. You got Ty Franz uh, making a play out there. Is this something you expected out of this team, or has it been a slow development throughout the season? No, really, I expected us to be good defensively. We were good defensively last year. Um, and, you know, we brought in some new players, obviously at third base and at second base with Frazier and, and Gino, and those guys have been great. Uh, Gino's been awesome at third base, really improved. He's got much more consistent fundamentally. That's a credit to Perry Hill and the work these guys put in every day. Uh, JP, you know, when JP makes an error, he's like, oh, my gosh, you're shocked. He's that good. And oftentimes we take him for granted. And he made some awesome plays after that, and really none bigger than the, 
you know, Cal Raleigh had the, the uh, throw out of uh, Garcia in the eighth inning, and it was it was a good throw. It wasn't a great throw. JP had to pick that ball and tag the runner all in one motion. That is really hard to do. And you look at it it's like, oh yeah, that's JP Crawford. No, that that's an awesome play and a huge out in that game for us. So those little things that JP continues to do, we we can't take them for granted because he's really talented out there. Any updates, Scott, on Julio, his wrist, his return to the lineup? Yeah, Julio is in the clubhouse as we speak. He has a smile on his face. Uh, right now he is in the lineup, and that's where we're headed. So we'll see how he feels coming out of batting practice. Uh, as far as, you know, is it bothering him at all, whatever. He did take some swings yesterday. It felt pretty good. So he's in the lineup. He's at the top of the lineup, of course, leading off for us mm-hmm. tonight. Uh, I got my fingers crossed that we can keep him in there, but... It's still a little bit up in the air. I do not want to put him out there unless he feels completely confident uh, in his ability to help us out. So we'll wait and see. But as of right now, he is in the lineup. All right. Well, that's good news. Hopefully he can stay in the lineup and batting practice and everything goes well. No uh, setbacks at all. We're excited to see him back out there. And, Scott, we're excited to see your team back out there. Let's hope for a series win. We're feeling good after last night's win. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. All right, some quick reaction to Scott Service, and I'll also have some MLB headlines here in a sec. We're going to take a look around the league first, though. Uh, reaction, Shannon, Julio in the lineup tonight, returning as your leadoff. Well, we're going to have to wait and see. And well, I, think, I think that's very safe the way that he said it, and I do think that if Julio was smiling in the clubhouse, that's a good indication right there. But the hope was he did a lot. He amped up what he was doing yesterday, and then the next question always is the next day, how does he feel? How does he come out of it? So he hasn't run around and done anything yet today, but he is in that preliminary preliminary lineup hopefully we say him see him stay in that communication is key with julio right he has to be honest with these trainers how's he feeling how's he doing i know he wants to get out there he's a competitor he's young you know yeah the back feels different when you're 36 and you wake up or something like you know what i mean like <laughs> things have changed so this has been a learning experience for julio and this is something that like i said before the veterans can lean on or he can lean on the veterans and they can kind of guide him and say look take care of your body man if you're not ready to go just don't get out there. We've uh, got one done without you. Might be able to do two. You know, speaking of um, the uh, the game from last night, uh, Shannon, uh, when you were on with us the other day, I said, is there any chance that Ty France is being held back by his injury? I think the answer is now definitively no, or at least certainly looks like the answer is no. He looks like Ty France, doesn't he? Yeah, he And looks that's a something lot like that we've Ty. just kind of been noticing, I think, the last couple of days. But yeah, it seems like that's behind him. He even looked faster last night, which was kind of strange. So he's doing something right, obviously feeling good out there. I think that's a safe assumption. That's perfect. You say he looks faster. My son even asked me. He goes, man, Ty looks fast right now. Him running from first to third. He looks fast. And then he goes, how tall is he? Now we're looking up his height, (laughs) his weight, like they're diving into it. But yeah, Ty looks healthy, and he's he's key to this whole thing. He's showing defensively, too. We always knew he had a decent glove, but he's showing when you're making plays like that on first base, your weight is going to the right. you got to shift it back to the left and make a play. Um, You're at the plate. You reach base safely all four times, right bat. Things are slowing down for Ty again, and that's crucial right now. Uh, the Mariners are going to have uh, two more games in the series before a really tough road trip. Shannon, you mentioned, you know, hey, this sounds uh, tough, but success might be below 500 against these two teams. What's going to be key for this road trip? Do the best you can. <laughs> Try. <laughs> I mean, this Try. is a tough one. This is as tough as they get. The two toughest places, I think, for the Mariners and pretty much any American League team to play are Houston and New York. So, and it's not just who you're facing, it's in those ballparks. Those teams are tailored. 
to those ballparks. They know how to use those ballparks. You've got the Short Porch in New York. You've got the Crawford Boxes in Houston. And then, obviously, with the Astros, you're looking at great pitching and a team that just seems to be on autopilot this time of the year and, and know what they're doing, and they've done it before, and then just that fearsome lineup. Mm-hmm. In New York, they've had some struggles, but uh, the, it's those are the two toughest places to play, and they are playing them in the same road trip. And we got to take care of this, but I'm looking at the schedule. Friday, July 29th, we got Robbie Ray versus Verlander. I mean, that is going to be one to circle. Um, this is why you have a guy like Robbie Ray. So you go down to Houston, and you guys feel like you have a chance against a Verlander. Um, so it's um, steady. Uh, steady wins the race. So let's get rid of these two, or get let's win these two, and then focus on Houston. But um, like I mentioned before, you sweep the Rangers. You're back where where you started. Um, before the All-Star break. You lost three against Houston. You get these three right now. You're rejuvenated. Then you get another chance um, to go up against the Astros and show them, like, we might not be an elite of the elites, but we still are a good ball club. Uh, by the way, good news to get Julio back. Have we heard any more injury updates, Shannon? I know you'll get some later today, presumably, or certainly ask about them. But. Uh, I think Winker was doing He looked like he was just progressing by the minute mm-hmm. when we were there yesterday, and uh, I'd be interested to see if he's going to be in there. It sounds like, and this is good news, that Taylor Trammell perhaps is progressing quicker than expected. I'm very interested to see how they use him. There are all these questions. I just get just chuckle. What happens when everybody comes back? What happens when Kyle Lewis is back, when Mitch Hanniger is back? And the next thing you know, you have three infielders in the outfield. Well, <laughs> you know, let's worry about that when and if you ever get to that. But I think Taylor Trammell is somebody that if you do have Mitch Hanniger back, and uh, it's not the strongest defensive outfield. And he's is somebody that you could put in there for a late inning replacement. You certainly can uh, use his legs. But also what he was doing with the bat when he came up off of the IL for the minor leagues, this was a different Taylor Trammell than we saw last year. So I'm very hopeful that we see what we saw before he got hurt. I don't know how much they can use him, but that is going to be a very legitimate legitimate option should another outfielder be lost for some time. Shannon, say all the outfielders are healthy. Who are you putting out it's there? never happening. <laughs> it's Dylan Moore is always going to be out there, or Sam Haggard will be out there. You might even see Adam Frazier out there. We just don't see it. It has not happened. We had someone, we were talking about Juan Soto, say, well, I don't know about that because there's a log jam at, uh, at outfield and I'd rather have an arm. And I just remember thinking, I mean, in theory. You had three second base. But you can't get those guys out there. Right. No. And, and I think that they are cognizant of that, too. I think you have to operate under the assumption at this point because that's what they've seen. And, you know, I think there's a lot of speculation about how much Mitch Hanniger is going to be able to play in the outfield when he comes back. And is he going to be sharing that DH spot quite a bit with Carlos Santana? So uh, I think there is going to be a spot out there for an actual outfielder uh, on a number of days. Carlos Santana, I didn't know he had wheels like he, he showed last night. He's a 5'11", 215, I believe. Um Beat out that throw at first base, allowed a run to to score. And it feels like every now and then he shows me something that I just wasn't ready for. You know, I love how aggressive he was at the plate when the bases were loaded. He goes, look, Titus went yard. I want to follow this thing up. He is, I guess he's not low-key anymore because people recognize what he brings to this team. But every game I keep my eye on Santana, and he he brings something special. Uh, Shannon. I love saving MLB headlines for the dugout because I like getting your reaction to news oh around the league. We have plenty to talk about with the Mariners. We're going to talk about the Mariners at one thirty. We're going to talk about the Mariners at one forty-five. So, can we look around 
the rest of MLB real quick? Oh, sure. Here we go. Okay. Uh, we're going to start with the Red Sox, who are having a, a not good, very bad time. They... Uh, <laughs> What? <laughs> they are really struggling, you guys. Uh, but now it has us all wondering, is Boston going to be a seller at the deadline? And are one of those guys going to be J.D. Martinez? Where are you going to put J.D. Martinez? On this team. Where are you going to put <laughs> no, him? No, I have, I have no idea. But do you expect Boston to be sellers at the deadline? Uh, I think you. there are two teams right now in the American League that are very intriguing in that respect. And uh, Boston and Cleveland is the other one. And Cleveland could kind of go both ways. And they're both about three games out of a wild card spot right now, I think. But it seems like Boston's in a little bit more of a free fall. Uh, Toronto sure did a number on them coming out of the break, uh, you know, losing, getting Chris Sale back and then losing him. There was kind of a feeling that they were waiting for players to get back and they didn't get back or they got hurt. And so they've kind of been deflated a little bit. So uh, I would not be surprised if they go in that direction. I don't know how aggressively they're going to sell in that direction. If that happens with Cleveland, they could kind of hybrid it. But if they decide to go, there's going to be some pitching there. Again, three games out there in the central. So maybe a little bit of an easier path. I'm not sure. But if you're Boston and you're in the east and you're kind of on fumes right now, and what's going to be different and fun to watch in the mm-hmm. East this year is usually when you're looking at that AL East team that you're hoping to catch up with, and then you look at the schedules and you compare them, you're like, oh, they got a lot of uh, Detroit and Baltimore. Well, Baltimore's going to be a factor this year. Which is, I think, awesome. I know that it's less than ideal considering it's uh, still you know the American League, but... Everyone always roots for a team that struggled that much. Well, if they want to beat up on a little bit of their fellow East, you know, <laughs> I would teams, love that. absolutely. We have guess. not seen that before. So, uh, yeah, are, is Boston going to be a seller? Not sure, but they are certainly kind of trending in that direction right now. Can I just say I love seeing Boston be where they are right now? So, you hate Boston more than any other team. Yeah, I do. Which is wild to me because I think that the majority of Mariners fans will look at the Astros and Yankees before Boston. Yeah, well, that's just my my baseball history growing up, right? I just always remember seeing Boston be competitive. And then when I was in college, they got their first World Series in a long time. Then all of a sudden, all these fans start coming out. My uncle's from Boston. He's telling me that the Dodgers are, you know what, the Mariners are nothing. So when I see them look like a common organization, it makes me feel good. <laughs> all right, well... Uh, let me get to our uh, our next story here. It's revisiting Juan Soto. No surprise here because the biggest story in baseball remains, is Juan Soto going to be dealt or not? There was a report this morning from Jeff Passan that was basically, he may and he may not be. And that's a very well-sourced ESPN MLB insider who's talking to multiple execs, and some of them are convinced that Juan Soto will stay with Washington, and some of them are convinced he's going to be traded. Where do you stand? Well, if Jeff Passan doesn't have it, a clear-cut answer, I don't. But what I think... Um is the problem here is obviously the asking price. And the question is going to be, will they hold out for that asking price and five players, five prospects, and then they want players who are young major leaguers already. How are you giving them up? I mean, if you're going for Juan Soto, you're going for him for a stretch run, right? You're going to give up something that is contributing right now for Juan Soto. How does that work? Or if you're a team, I mean, the only way that works is if maybe you're a team on the edge right now that thinks you're competing in the next two years and maybe you could do that, but then they're still helping. Another thing is, is I think the Nationals would like to, you know, pile some contracts on, and you don't really do that until the off season. So this kind of deal, 
this kind of blockbuster, when you were talking about the number of players or the number of dollars that could be involved, it's tough to have that come together very quickly. So either somebody goes absolutely silly Mm -hmm. and gives them exactly what they want. And if they want Julio Rodriguez from the Mariners, imagine what they're asking for from everybody else. I don't know that that happens. I don't know that there is a match that can comfortably do that. If not, I think he's going to be the name that everybody's talking about in the offseason. We heard a report from John Morosi that a trade for Soto would mean either Gilbert uh, or George Kirby. That That there would be no package that wouldn't include one of those two guys. Shannon, it seems like a silly question to ask. It's not like, hey, would you do it? But like how valuable are those two to this franchise and where they want to go? I think it's huge. I mean, it's pitching, pitching, pitching. You talk to anybody and nobody has enough pitchers and you feel good about both of these pitchers and you've also made an investment in them and getting them this time in the big leagues and they are just about to hit their stride. So, you know, I, I think that's huge for them. I I could not give up either one of them in a deal because you're not just giving them up. You're giving up your farm system and you're ready, guys, right then and there. I think that would just be far too much damage. All right. Uh, last story in headlines. Then uh, we're going to get to uh, some some other stuff a bit later. But uh, Jonathan India wants his uh, very first Grand Slam ball back. It was caught by a fan. He wants it back. Has there ever been a Mariners player that you've covered that had to give something up to get a home run back, a Grand Slam, anything that he really wanted? I can't think of anything. I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah. And I've heard of stories where the negotiations get ridiculous and it's just they're giving up a lot of stuff. And the one that really upset me, and this is many, many years ago, but we were in Tampa and uh, Jose Lopez hit his 25th home run of the season. It was the first time he ever got 25 home runs. And the guy refused to give it to him. What? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I got, started got transitioning obnoxious, to the next Got phrase. obnoxious mm. with everything that he wanted. And it's like, hey, we can do this and this. And he's like, nope, walked away. Oh. I would not give him his first 25 home run ball. Shame wow. on that, dude. I'm st- I still shame on you. Stacy says, <laughs> "Shame on wherever you. you are in Tampa. How many years later? But shame on you." All right. What's on tap? Powered by Madden Industrial Craftsmen. The Mariners are back at it tonight with the second of a three-game series against the Rangers. First pitch is at seven ten p.m. Pre-game show starts at six p.m. Right here on Seattle Sports Station. Dave Sims joins us next. This is the dugout. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. Joining us now in The Dugout, it is Mariners play-by-play voice Dave Sims. Dave, how's it going? Doing well, Stace. Bump, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing well? Doing good, doing right? good. Uh, we are very well excited to uh, to talk about this team. It wasn't the start to the second half they wanted, but they were able to uh, right the ship a bit with a win against the Rangers. But uh, what's going to be uh, one of the goals in the second half for this team, Dave, outside of, hey, just try to win some games? Well, you know, staying healthy, and I'd like to see an uptick in offense. I think that, uh, you know, hopefully, I, I know you guys have talked about it before, but, you know, Hanniger, Trammell get some, I think the guys who are <laughs> – by uh, by trade second baseman or infielders are doing a heck of a job, but it'd be nice to get uh, Trammell and uh, Hanniger back in there, and, and obviously Julio. Hopefully that works out today. Or Scott Sabat is in the clubhouse already, and he's being Julio, and hopefully he'll be able to go today. So I'm looking forward to seeing that, and hopefully uh, you know the, the cut you guys just played before you, you came to break with Justin Hollander about getting another starting pitcher. I think that would be huge. Hey Dave. I'd like you to expand a little bit on something that we were talking about in 
the last segment and your experience, and hopefully you can put it a little bit better into words or maybe paint the better picture. But uh, this this upcoming road trip, uh, I don't think it gets any tougher. And it's not just because it's Houston and New York, but because it's Houston and New York in Houston and in New York. I mean, can you think of a tougher trip in the American League? Uh, not back to back. I mean, Shannon, good to, good to hear your voice. It's, um, yeah, that, that's a gauntlet. That, that is really impressive. And it, I tell you what, guys like to perform on a big stage. I remember how energized guys were last year after playing in New York. And they, there was a lot of growth in terms of, Hey, now I've got this under my belt. And I don't think they'll be intimidated by any stretch of imagination, but I tell you what, you're going to be at a big stage playing against the number, what uh, the Yankees have the number one record in uh, baseball Astros are number three. So, you know what? You got an opportunity in front of everybody. There's, you know, this is the time. I hate to step back to this cliche, but you got to step up, man, because these guys they can, they can bully you if you let them, and you've got to match them with everything, and you have to be focused. You know, mistakes have got to be limited to, you know, even more than ever, and and just go out there, you know, and, and, and be you. Have fun. Dave, what would you say is the identity of this team? How would you describe this team? And, and is there something they need to add to their identity for them to be successful in the second half? That's a really good question, Bob. Um, I was thinking about this earlier. Uh, and again, these are words that have been used a, a, lot, a lot of times in the past, but it, it's, it's a scrappy, gutty bunch. I'll tell you, I, I say that. And the fact that they're dedicated uh, Scott was talking about, and we talk about it all the time, but, you know, what, what Perry Hill brings to that infield, and you know they never miss a day of doing their their infield drills. And, and I think they're dedicated. I think they're they're scrappy. They hang in there. I mean, they were what ten games. They were twenty nine and thirty nine, and next thing you know, they they go into the break winning fourteen consecutive games. And that is stick. They know who they are. They stick to their plan, and they keep and they just keep at it. And, you know, if they were rolling, rolling a rock up the hill, I, I wouldn't – I think they could get it. I think they could get it to the top. I think they're that type of team. If this is a team that does break the drought and get to the playoffs, does that 14-game win streak, even though they didn't match their record, become one of the most important moments in, like, franchise oh, the heck, history? Oh, the heck with the record. They won 14 straight. Okay, the record completely <laughs> yeah. They won 14 consecutive That's games. Right. That's all that matters. And, you know, and the, it showed that they can do it. Yeah. And now, you know, this this uh, stretch they're in now coming out of the break, 13 of 20 games against the, the Astros and the Yankees, they will know who the heck they are for real. I mean, the, the question you asked earlier about who are they, how would you describe them? We're going to find out uh, August 10, 11, you're going to have a really firm answer. Dave, who have you most enjoyed watching kind of in their progression through this year? Um, that is a very good question. I would say Cal Raleigh because uh, there were times – you know, it was scuffling like crazy, or even early this year, and to see him pick it up. I mean, it, you know, when you look at, I heard you and I heard other people talk about where he ranks among catchers. He's in the top five in multiple offensive categories. I was never concerned about his, his uh, hitting, but the fact that he now and he goes up there with confidence, he's seen the results of shortening up his swing, choking up on the bat, put it in play. You're a big, strong kid. You can drive it a long way. I think that's probably been the most fun. I mean, Ty, you know what you're going to get there. You know, Frazier has had some hard luck. He's he's sort of hitting his way out of it right now. JP's JP and Gino, but I, I would I would definitely say it's got to be Cal. When you look across the league, Dave, where would you rank this bullpen? I know you don't watch everybody play, um, but from all the information you have across the league, 
Where does this bullpen stack up against others? Oh, it's, I mean, Houston might be number one, but the you know, Mariners are, you know, no worse than third, fourth, or fifth. Uh, I, I think that the guys that they run out there, you know, different looks. This is something that Scott's talked about the last couple of years. Different looks, different arm angles coming at you, different styles. And you got, you know, Mooney's in, uh, Munoz, you know, he's in his zone right now. I mean, he's going triple figures. I mean, it's the point now where you almost don't even react to it. It's like, yeah, hey, that's Mooney. He's having a good day. Um, I think that I think they're they're highly regarded, and I think everybody knows it. Anybody you know because these players and these coaches, you know, when they look at videotape and they look at the numbers, they match things up. They go, "Whoa, this is a good group." All right, good stuff. He's Mariners play-by-play voice Dave Sims joining us on the dugout. Dave, thanks so much. Yeah, you bet, gang. Good to talk to you. See you you too. Bye. All right. Uh, You are listening to The Dugout on Seattle Sports Station on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Coming up next, wrapping up The Dugout uh, with a conversation about playoffs. I know, we're talking playoffs. We're literally talking playoffs. What makes the Mariners a playoff team? What's still missing from being a contender? And importantly, what do contenders start to look like in the second half of the season? That's next. You're listening to The Dugout every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacey on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. All right. What makes the Mariners a playoff team and what's still missing from them being a contender? I love this question because it doesn't just look at, you know, hey, here's some things that the Mariners can use to propel themselves forward, but also what do the really good teams do differently? And uh, I got to say, Shannon, I'm going to spoiler alert. I had a little bit of a conversation uh, Bump and I did with Shannon before this. And uh, it was it was fascinating because it, it's an angle I hadn't thought of. So um, it started because it jumped out to you during this series. But what do contenders do well? They I believe there is a length of season that comes into play. Yeah. And there are reasons why you don't panic early. And you particularly don't panic early if you are a good team. Quite often you see the surprises early and then the good teams like a freight train come out of nowhere, usually starting in mid-May. And so when we saw Houston all of a sudden be Houston in this three-game series and come out of the break a little bit different, I think, than the Mariners did, um, that to me was like, yep, veteran team right there. And I don't know if it is, you know, I think a lot of it is is just kind of that internal clock and in that they've been there, they've done it before. I think a lot of it is is that they haven't gotten too wrapped up in the roller coaster at the beginning. They might start slow, but they build, and it's not a lot of up and down. But they come out of the break, and there's, I don't want to say a different kind of focus, but you know it when you play these teams. And if you face them early in the season, they look like a completely different team in the second half, and it can be a surprise when you see that. But uh, also, if you travel to where they are, it's also noticeable that the crowds start getting bigger Mm -hmm. in the second half as well, and that is a factor. So it's just something, the trade deadline, they will make moves and look different in that regard as well. But I think um, it's almost like, okay, time to go to work right now. (laughs) You know, they come out of the break, and it's, it's, something that just happens it's like a track meet where it's like you know if you're doing a 100 or whatever it is that you don't go you go like 100 on the third sprint and then 110 on the last one but the first one you're going 75 
Pretty much. Yeah. Not intentionally, but I mean, that's kind of what happens. And you don't really panic again if you see them start a little bit slower. But I think what is, you know, kind of the eye opener is when they really start to take off. Bump, you are a fan of the Dodgers. The Dodgers, you also are a fan of the Mariners. I'm not going to pit Bump on Blaster, yeah, but he's don't from L.A. He's like from L.A. <laughs> so he, it's allowed. Um, but uh, do you notice that with them? Or do because they start hot too, but you know you what? That- this year, not so much because uh, I've watched maybe 56 Mariners games this year. I haven't really been paying attention to the Dodgers, but I'm listening to Shannon talk about that. And the first thing I think about is just veterans, right? Veterans who understand this is a marathon. You come out hot, good for you. You know, just like the Astros looked at the Mariners and say, 14 wins. Good for you. All right. It's time to play yeah. ball now. This is the second half of the season. We just swept New York at New York. We're coming to your house. We're going to do this. So when I ask Dave uh, what needs to shift, I think that speaks to what Shannon's saying. It's like they got to realize that there are levels to this and you need to be slowly ascending. You might take a dip every now and then, but you need to be slowly ascending um, headed towards the end of the season. So that's why you lean on guys like Robbie Red. He's going to bounce back. I'm not worried about Robbie. You lean on guys like Santana. Winker, Suarez, guys who have been here and who have done that um, to kind of lead the way. So I'm I'm excited to see if they're able to probably not match what New York and the Dodgers and the Astros do because right. there's a difference in talent. But if they can have that mentality and we can see it because we watch them every single day. Shannon, what might break their way? What might get in their way? Sorry, what might break their way? Like what might oh break their yeah. way? Um, well, the schedule is definitely breaking their way. Yeah. And something that Scott Service said really jumped out at me and I hadn't considered. I think I looked at it when I initially saw it and said, great, but it's even better right now. Uh, we know they had a gauntlet of a schedule early. The trips, the number of trips that they made to the East Coast in the first month was ridiculous. To not play a away game in your own time zone until mid-June is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just, this was a bad, bad schedule. And it breaks their way in that this is the tough, stre- the final tough stretch with the tough teams. You are looking at a much easier competition-wise schedule after this road trip. But also with Scott Service playing, you're not making the trips east. You're done. You've got your, your worst travel out of the way. But Scott also pointed out all of those off days, all of those Thursday off days starting in August will be huge, especially, especially with a young pitching staff. And you can manage George Kirby a little bit better. And I do think you have to keep an eye on Logan Gilbert, too. He is still a young pitcher. He has not pitched through an entire big league season. Pretty close. But, you know, these guys have all made every start except for Gilbert, who they pulled back on a little bit. And that is going to help them big time. Yeah, it's um, this is a different team we're looking at here. And the more I look around the league, the more I appreciate what they're doing because – um, they don't have the superstars that all these other teams have. So what do they do? They rely on each other. They rely on the bullpen. They rely on the starters. They rely on scrappy play. It was defense last night. It might be offense tonight. Um, they find different ways to win, and I think that's part of what championship teams do. So there are times where I look at them, I go, okay, there are pieces to the puzzle that you need for this team to do something that we haven't seen in 20, 21 years. Yeah. Um, but then this deadline is approaching, and I'm like, I need a couple more pieces to really, you know, believe in this push. I believe they're going to make the playoffs, but you know, we get a little greedy sometimes, and we want we want a bit more. I'm going to start with you for that one, and then Shannon, I'll I'll go to you. We've talked about how contenders kind of change in terms of their play on the field, the mentality, just the, I mean, for lack of a better word, the vibe. 
<laughs> the vibe of the team. That's very Mariner's word right yeah, there. Thank yeah. you very much. <laughs> okay. They get very good vibes. Um, let's talk personnel and, and let's talk roster. If this team's going to improve in the second half, going to make a push, uh, what move at the trade deadline does make them a playoff team? You can be as creative as you want. You can say Juan yeah. Soto. Yeah, Juan Soto without giving up a starting arm. Yeah, for sure. But that's not what they want, right? That's another move that might um, Just an arm in general. I yeah. think we were reminded this past weekend that, you know, Mark was going to have his days. He doesn't throw a 98-mile-an-hour fastball that's going to blow by you. You know, uh, Robbie's going to bounce back. But I think this watching the pitching struggle a little bit made me even buy in more to, okay, you need some insurance out there. You can also go with the bat, too, because the Mariners don't typically put up five, six, seven runs a game. You know, they, they prefer those three to four games, and they're comfortable in that position. But when you go on road trips like you're about to go on, you got to have those nights. But so right now, I'm just going to go with the arm because I'm going to go off of what Shannon says, too, that we saw a different Tramiel. When he gets back, maybe he's going to help out. Kyle Lewis, is he going to be the guy we saw a couple of years ago hitting for power? So I look at the guys who aren't contributing right. Still got Hanniger. That's going to that's gonna hopefully be back here soon. So there's some bats out there that are already on this roster. So I'm shifting. From, I'm, I'm, I'm telling Juan, you know what? It's been nice. I, I called you. I texted you. You didn't respond. Wow. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on from Juan <laughs> and, and start with these arms. Shannon, uh, how about you? Uh, you get the final word on this one as far as uh, – what this team could use. I'm going to guess you agree with Bump. So if it is an arm, would you throw us some names you might be oh, watching? No. <laughs> oh, Shannon, do it. You know, no, what What I will say is I think the desire is there to yeah. get a, a major arm. If you look at what they did last year, it was Tyler Anderson. And this, who this year would be fantastic. But as a guy that could get them to the postseason, I think they would like somebody that could not just get them, but could be pitching for them in the postseason. Yeah. Can they pull that off? That's not going to be easy. Well, we're going to find out. Deadline is August 2nd. I believe we're going to have uh, another edition. No. Oh, my gosh, you guys. Uh, the dugout returns on the trade deadline. We could have a very exciting dugout from 1 to 2 p.m. Uh, for Shannon Dreyer, thank you so much for joining us. For Michael Bumpus, I'm Stacey Ross. This has been The Dugout. Don't go anywhere. Wyman and Bob coming your way next.